Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Hello and welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 52. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular number one, Jackson. Star Trek. (laughs) That says it all, really. Uh, It's a very special episode of Second Officer Slog. Um, I've got to take it down here for anyone listening. Uh, Because Discovery Season 2 is over, and we've been waiting to get off this ride for weeks. And now we are off this ride. We're off this ride. We cannot be more off this ride. Do we just want to get into it? Yeah, sure. That's your cue to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get in? Because uh, I'm not the host, but I can. I can if you want me to. I can. Uh, so uh, we basically had an existential crisis after I watched this episode, but before you watched this episode. And it's so a, what it, happened was I've listened to everyone be sad. I've so I guess I'll you know what I'll do this whatever it might as well fall to me on the host so uh, <laughs> I was doing it and now I feel like I did it badly no what actually happened was when you said let's get into it I thought you meant the episode so I was trying to pull it up in memory alpha because I hadn't done that yet no because that, we have we have been vague enough around our feelings that we should just address some stuff okay so we're tired we're tired of this fucking Star Trek show you know you've listened to this it's terrible uh, but also. It's really like thrown into harsh relief, like the limits of what we feel like we can do right now in talking about Star Trek. Yes. Part of this is we run a explicitly like communist, anti-imperialist Gundam podcast where we talk about that stuff. And at its best, Star Trek is a show that firmly believes that if everyone's a good actor, imperialism can be both benign and like helpful to people. And we're just not those people anymore. We're about to go read the book about Wesley Crusher's Native American space travel powers. And I want to die thinking about that. <laughs> I, I think at its best, Star Trek can be critical of those things. I'd want to believe it can be. Um, yeah, sometimes it is. But even at it, like, y- yeah, yes. and no, like they never, no one writing Star Trek has the words to do it justice, right? right? Yeah. There's a lot of, um, one of the most self-critical Star Trek shows is Enterprise. Like, <laughs> we do a lot of work pulling things out of shows and books and media made uh, by, at best, usually nominally liberal men. Um, and sometimes and women you, now. And, and women now. But And sometimes you get things like um, the Shatnerverse stuff, which only exists because once William Shatner's pleased, then the two uh, and the Reef Stevens can write whatever the fuck they want. Uh, yes. Uh, and so then you get like, like he's, really... he's gonna fuck all the women and f- beat Worf in a fist fight, but then it's gonna say something about the fundamental fragility of the Federation. Like that is in Star Trek. That book, Avenger specifically, I'm thinking of, is one of the most yes. cogent, like unflinching critiques of the because usually the critiques of the Federation are placed as things to be resisted against. They'd be like, no, we can be good. Whereas that just like Kirk literally turns to the camera and goes, yeah, this is all gonna die and sooner than we think because it's broken. But I guess we'll just keep living our lives. Uh, 
and that's really good um but that happens very rarely right we get some books that like speak through things and are very interesting uh but on the whole we've got a lot of books that are just going to be some events are star trek books uh we read those um mission gamma books they started off beautifully and then they like undone they, they undid some of the best arcs in that because the status quo had to return because the original author uh had to wrap everything up in a new book um and so these things have have problems and most of our conversations about these things are going to be critiquing the politics of star trek which aren't that that don't change that much week to week from a increasingly leftist perspective that just means the same tired points over and over again uh so that's that's one thing the other thing is the show is really bad and we just can't do it anymore um and the cumulative effect of all this is that we don't know if we can keep doing this yes uh which is not to say that we're done doing this yes. but that we're definitely taking a break and that break is a m- amount of time that we cannot measure now we don't know how we'll feel about star trek next week let alone next month but we're definitely actively more um i wouldn't even i wouldn't even say that i'm like more left i think a better term is more uh cogent and like coherent in what i believe right i was generally just like oh i am definitely socialist and things are good and it is good to resist the but that was in a general term but now like we have uh done a through a podcast about anime which we fucking read lenin for <laughs> like yeah no, the thing the thing like whatever moving further left moving further right whatever the actual thing that happened is i went from nebulous socialist to yes. like coherent communist and star trek broke at that point to me a little yes. bit uh and it's not so we don't like like star trek i have affection for it but doing close reads on it every week is going to break us down even more because uh, we have such a specific way we're going to approach that uh that has like um materially changed since we started this podcast <laughs> yes uh which is fine and i think i i would like to come back to this podcast at some point but it does mean we're not going to be reading we're not going to come back in a month and talk about wesley crush's uh vision quests because nope. oh god oh god <laughs> I might read about Wesley Crush's vision quest, but I never want to talk into a microphone about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we'll keep, so what that means is we're keeping the feed up. We're, the podcast isn't going away. Um, I mean, it kind of is. We, we are taking a break, like I say, a not undecided period of time, but the feed will be here if we ever do want, if we ever want to record things about Star Trek into a microphone, this is where it will go. Um, we still have a scheduled Patreon uh, episode for this show coming up in a month or so and we'll do that like it's not we're not anti-doing also that. also we're absolutely going to watch it in the darkness at some point because i know everyone's looking forward to it yeah it's not like we're not we don't mean to sound like oh we can never watch star trek again kind of uh level we're just tired and need to back away uh, and our efforts and time and critical energies are better spelled elsewhere but if you want us to talk to microphones about star trek it's not just that you can, right? Like everyone knows you can, but you won't be imposed. We're not going to be like, oh, we're so tired. Don't make us do this. Feel free. <laughs> it's an option. It's right yes. there. Uh, we'll be very happy to. But as a regular show, uh, we are doing something else. Yeah, yeah we're, we're to be to be announced, but to be we're announced. done with this. Uh, um, it's, as it's, always, we're going to be talking about Star Trek in the Discord. Like that's going to stay up. Uh, yep. My dumbass is definitely going to watch Picard in season three of this show to figure out what happens, how badly they can mess it up further. Yeah. Because uh, I still care. I st- it's not like I don't care. I still care so much. 
yes, it's because I care that I can't do this anymore. <laughs> because I'm feeling like literally yesterday when I was at work, I was listening to, I was looking at everyone reacting to this episode and I had read a summary before I watched it because I needed to know what everyone was going to be complaining about all day. Um, and I didn't care. And then I realized that my not caring extended to everything. I was like, yes. Oh, I just, I just don't care about Star Trek right now. And that sucks because as we've said before, this is maybe the single most fundamental formative thing to me when I was young. And I still hold a lot of affection for that. And I still try to like take a lot from Star Trek, but I feel like on some level I am like now getting, trying to get blood from a stone and I'm, I'm tired. There's better ways to spend my energy and yep. everyone else's energy. Who's listening to a podcast. Yes. Um, so if you are very excited for us to read some upcoming books that I'm, uh, I, I apologize uh but there the podcast we're like replacing this with like will be good so i hope everyone's excited yes uh, there will not be like a reduction in content in fact there might be some more content there will definitely be more content because what the, the thing that's replacing this is bi-weekly i'm comfortable saying that yeah it's bi-weekly um which i guess means less content than the last two months but the content will be better and not us going oh god and feeling our soul remember when this series started and we were talking about how actively star trek was um interrogating all these things yeah because they were, they were. <laughs> that's the worst part it's not that we didn't that, that we were just like galaxy braiding and came down to earth they were and then they fired all those writers with good cause like i'm not gonna say oh i wish those people were back because yes. by all accounts those people sucked and it's good for the people who are working on the show that they have writers like people in the writer's room who are in charge of that thing that are not awful people but for me watching the fucking show it's been abysmal and we might as well talk about the episode now. <laughs> yeah, so now it's time to talk about the episode. Might not go that long. Uh, it is Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Yes. Uh, 14th episode. It aired the 18th of April, 2019. It was written by Michelle Paradise, uh, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. It was directed by Olatunde Onsunzami. Here we are. What happens in this episode, Jackson? Please tell me what happens other than fighting, because most of it's fighting. Oh, uh, fighting happens. Fighting, fighting, fighting. Um, so the big plan... So, Last week, if you remember, uh, everyone had to evacuate the Discovery because um, Burnham was going to take everyone into the... F Burnham was going to take people into the future, and then her ten I friends... I cannot remained. believe you were summarizing last episode. No, this, is, this has a purpose. Okay. Because um, they're all... Because her friends are like, no, we will stay with you. This episode begins, the, the entire ship is full. Everyone's on the ship. Full ship of people all ready to go to the fucking future. Don't ask me why. Uh, but... I was immediately like, wait, didn't you just get everyone off the ship? Why is everyone back? Whatever. Uh, because the sphere data was taking over the ship, remember? They couldn't. They were going to destroy well, the ship and then they couldn't. Originally, the plan was for literally um, the Discovery to be empty as she took it through. It was going to be an yes, autopilot. But she... they couldn't do that because the sphere had taken over all the systems. Though I don't understand why that means they couldn't just... I don't, I, look, I don't know. That part I, I'm not sure about because it sounds... Well, yes. Last week I had read it, it was it was just going to be her friends. Everyone else yes. had gone, but now the whole ship's just stocked because we need to have a lot of drama happening. Um, anyway, big fight, Enterprise uh, and Discovery versus Leland's fleet. Uh, Enterprise is backed up by a million shuttles and pods, and then Leland shows up and they're like, you may have big ships, we outnumber you. And then he's like, no, you don't. And all of the ships turn into tiny little drones and... They're all drones, so they're pilotless. Uh, all of the pods and shuttles are pilotless because we don't meet anyone who goes in the ships except one person later. And so it's just completely contextless X-Wing fights for the whole episode. Yes. It's hell. 
Uh, the battle rages for a long, long time, but then the big thing that happens is that Burnham and Spock go into space. Uh, Burnham activates the time thing to make the future portal happen, but then realizes that it won't let her go into the future. She doesn't know why, um, but then she realizes that it's because she has to go back and make the signals happen so that the signals can bring them to that point because the signals um each of them represent a thing they need for this fucking MacGuffin quest like the original there was one that got them jet reno who could help uh charge the thing there was one to kaminar which um allowed uh the fucking um Kelpians to break free of their oppressive cycle so that they can show up in this battle and fight them uh there was one the borrow for the time crystal they just become the macguffin lights and she goes back and lights them um and then they fly discovery 930 years into the future uh and that's it the portal closes behind them they're all gone and a few characters remain behind to tell starfleet command that it definitely exploded and that no one ever mentioned anything about this show ever again because don't you care that much about canon and the answer is no if you cared about canon you'd have mentioned cyborg uh so, so you're full of shit <laughs> um is what i was saying but that's the broad plot there are a couple of subplots um one being that in the middle of all this um stamets gets impaled and then while he's going into a coma he was like i came back for you we're gonna be together now uh because he does not have a character he's a different person every week yes um, and then that's that's the resolution of that supposedly uh the queen of zaheer goes out in a shuttle to help them and it's all played as if it's going to be a big sacrifice it's not she just goes out to help them and it's fine um the uh ash who so so ash tyler left in the middle of the battle like i have to leave in the middle of the battle i have a secret mission to do his secret mission is to get the klingons and then they come back and help. And it should be extremely cool because Ash Tyler's fighting with the Klingons again. They never address what that means about his fake death. Don't worry about it. Trust the mystery. Um, but apparently no one else thought to just go and get people if communications were down. <laughs> yes. Uh, b- because apparently you can just warp in and out that fast now. Uh, I don't know. Um, it is weird how much this is an episode that exists to make the season line up with canon, but it doesn't care about continuity or a consistent universe in any meaningful way. Uh, so I think that's everything. Um, once they go to you the future, about, lot, did you talk about Admiral Cornwall dying? Oh no, I didn't. Cornwall dies. Yeah. Um, uh, when George is fighting, George is fighting Leland because Leland comes aboard to get the sphere data, uh, and George wins. She traps him in this uh, in the sphere chamber and magnetizes the floor. Which, if it's uh, the if spore def- chamber, not the sphere chamber. Uh, this, right, this fucking show. Uh, this is why we're stopping. <laughs> the spore chamber apparently one apparently the rest of the ship doesn't have magnetized floors, which doesn't make any sense considering the other ship had it all everywhere. And she just yes. magnetizes the floors and ki- kills all the like nanobots inside of him. Which, if that's all it took, why not just magnetize the whole ship immediately? Uh, which, um disabled all the control ships around them so they could blow them all up uh i saw people saying that this that that was um is it that easy to take out control uh i just took it as it like kind of disorientating control control's not in leland uh i mean it is but control's not it's not like that's the only part of the where the brain of control exists control is all of them it would have been fine uh you know in time um Burnham dies, not Burnham, Cornwall dies for no reason. There's an unexploited photon torpedo uh, in the Enterprise 
and she has to manually activate the blast door, uh, which is the most boring sacrifice. Uh, and that's it. That's the big fight. They go to the future. She makes the the, the signals happen, and uh, and that's the end. Uh, the final minutes are uh, the Enterprise being like, ah, getting a nice send-off. Spock shaves his beard, and you're like, you should have kept the beard. Uh, and Ash Tyler gets promoted to Commander of Second 31, which he is going to make more transparent and less evil. Good job with that! That's it. That's the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Spock shaves. That's what I said. Oh, okay. I, you know what? I wasn't really listening. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was not really listening. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fair enough. So, one of the... If we're going to do this, we're going to write us out. We're going to do this properly. Uh, episode goes on for fucking ever. Yep. Uh, so, maybe the, the the thing that I hated the most in this episode, and this is an episode full of bad things, but it's it's like a total throwaway thing and not m- remarked upon at all. But when they're prepping the Red Angel suit and they're, like, trying to build it rapidly, the guy who's normally in a wheelchair is in, like, crutches or whatever and, like, can't do the job fast enough because of his disability. And Burnham's like, please leave. And I felt all joy die in my heart. The exact opposite of what Star Trek's meant to be. <laughs> yes. That character exists to show that people with actual physical disabilities and not super eyes like Jordan LaForge still have a place in Star Trek. Uh, and they fucked it up. The, the one thing you just had to not do is like write this character as too handicapped to help. And they fucking did, didn't do that. They failed to do this one thing. And it's like literally like a one second shot. And I was like, they really just don't fucking care, do they? Like the people no. making the show and acting the show are all on point and doing their best and nobody writing it gives a shit. Yeah, like, that is, we have our broad complaints and our critiques of Star Trek's entire framework, right? Like, we are very specifically and pointedly anti-imperialist in a way that Star Trek can never be because Starfleet is an imperialist organization. Um, And so those critiques come very easily, but when taken on its own terms and its own utopian, like, we don't believe in it, but it presents its own utopian vision from time to time, and we'll have infinite fucking speeches in this show about what Starfleet means. This is Starfleet. Starfleet is a promise. This is Starfleet. Get it done. Yep. Fuck off. Fuck. Not even Archer, with all his, like, folksy Bush-era bullshit, would say something as stupid as that. Nope. And you can't even... And in the middle of all that, in the middle of saying, no, we do believe this is good and a good world, and we these critiques aren't who we are... They can't even fucking write a disabled character without shitting on Yes. So that part sucked. Uh, what else is on my mind? Uh, the world's most amateur attempt at doing the hallway fight from Inception. <laughs> and they did it. They clearly rotated it because you know it's rotating because all of the wide shots are with yes. a locked down camera. <laughs> well, yeah, the camera's just locked down and then there's just like l- like debris and shit falling with whatever direction they're going but they forgot the part we have to choreograph a fight they didn't do that (laughs) yeah they just kind of stand on whatever surface and punch each other and then like punch each other poorly and one of the people here is michelle yo who literally has martial arts training for film yep yeah no one of the most people one of the most famous and active people for being good at fighting on camera yes like this is as good as it gets and this is what you give us yeah Uh, it's a really bad fight. 
Oh, uh, uh, they try to introduce, because she's doing the fight kind of uh, with Nan for a while. Not for the whole fight, because she doesn't actually matter. But they try to introduce some really embarrassing sexual tension between them. Yes. As one of them goes, uh, yum, yum. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Because uh, Georgie's literally like, you got a boner for killing Leland? And she replies, yum, yum. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, there's a really, really terrible line that I hated. Speaking of just all throwaway lines that are in the flying in the face of everything good about Star Trek, um, Saru uh, is captain and is like, "You are about to see the face of a human being. It is not a human being, um, because it's just an evil AI and it's control and it's Leland." And everyone's like, "Hey, Leland!" But <laughs> hi, Chris. I'm Leland. <laughs> hi, Chris. I'm Le- One, yes, he should have done that. <laughs> if we. That's the level we've got to. I would have marked out if someone said yes, hi, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's the bar we're at now. That's all it takes. Um, but Star Trek's about the opposite of that, which is it's something that doesn't look like a human, and we will treat it as a person. That's the fucking riding ethos of the whole franchise, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, you can go all the way back to the Corbinite maneuver. That's literally what that episode's about. It's what it's about. Like, even at its grossest that's kind of been the whole point and now it's like no here's something that is looks like a human but actually it's an evil ai so we can't treat it like control has sentience and personhood and wants and needs right but that's never no one cares because it's evil um, yes. also the character who's depicted entirely as willowy and facilitating between pacifism and like this weird like supernatural aggression who spends all his time pruning his plants is also the person who reads sun tzu and the only other person who points yes. it out is the other asian person on the show Fucking i'm amazing. like you are your coding is so fucked up now what have you done star trek yeah no saru quotes sun tzu and then george is like sun tzu and then he's like how do you care you're a terran and I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, Terran. That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking. When you have the Asian person go, ah, oh, you know Sun Tzu. No. To sucks. To the fake uh, space weird creatures that are already nebulously coded. Because I have how you put it all up. together until the point where he starts quoting Sun Tzu. And I'm like, oh, right. You literally have the fucking willowy Asian mystic who gardens all the time. Yeah. And because we've been thinking of them as cattle and then they had head teeth, we hadn't come around to the fucked up coding on Saru until they had him quote Sansu to the show Yo's face. Yes. Um, yeah. You see why we are done with this. Remember remember the best Star Trek movie, Wrath of Khan, where the entire thing like the plot of that movie centers around the fact that Khan because he's from the centuries from doesn't understand what three-dimensional thinking is yes and so Kirk just owns him by making his ship go up and down uh it's incredible got that fight this so entire cool. this entire episode is about two starships surrounded by a disc of other evil starships and fighting entirely on that disc as the camera rotates around it pointing out very obviously that this is just a flat battle happening uh, yep. forever for for literally 45 minutes <laughs> straight up 45 minutes and every shot has like all these explosions happening in the background like it's um you know the beginning of episode three <laughs> yes the, the the one of the best battles in star wars <laughs> we're gonna we're here to say it today but you know like the, the because account- because it doesn't actually show a battle it's just a song and some visuals and then the plot happens which is all you really want <laughs> but you know you know the count dooku scene in the thing and because yes. it's fucking 2005 star wars movie every single shot has the battle happening in the background they're doing yes. this in this episode but it's all yes. e- it's even more meaningless than that 
Yes, because it's the Enterprise has like 200 drones versus or like attack fighters or whatever those are versus Leland's like like thousands and thousands of little spear drones. Yep. And also there's there's like EPS explosions every five seconds. Um, yes. Just, just constantly. Just everything is popping off. Yes, um, there are like just sparks, ev- like multiple sparks everywhere all the time. <laughs> And all of it's meaningless. Well, the one time, um, uh, not Callboy, Stamets gets impaled, but that's meaningless and only exists to set up uh, the fact gets that Gets impaled by like a turbo lift in their giant, oh, right. ridiculous turbo lift shaft breaking and falling down exactly as you would expect would happen through the like glass ceiling onto the hallway where people are walking. <laughs> yeah, they show why no other, st- no like technical manual has ever shown a central turbo lift chamber with like a million rails crossing over each other because it all explodes out and destroys everything. <laughs> Yes. Because um, that would be stupid. So yeah, you have a big Star Wars battle, but then they shoot it like it's the fucking Trek 09 movie because there's like this scene where the Enterprise is like, we have to protect Discovery and get in the way of all the battle, uh, like all the fire that's being focused on Discovery. And so they like come into like an X formation and then the camera does a huge spin around them as a bunch of explosions happen. Like, isn't this the coolest thing? And I was like, you know... I can't think of anything I less come to Star Trek for than this. Uh, yep. And, and even in, like, um, the bridge scenes, right? Like, it'll, the whole thing is just uh, whip pans, constantly whip pans. Every, everything is like, uh, shields down to this, and someone else will say one thing, and each, each of these things will have a handheld whip pan. Um, and that's just the kinetic energy of the episode, because apparently everyone forgot that people don't need, the, you don't need the camera to be shaking around if you just make the thing exciting. That yes. was why everyone got mad about the Abrams movies, which this was supposed to be a response to. And you look at the uh, Battle of the Binary Stars, which is also a ludicrous space battle. It was not shot like this. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, it was a lot of people standing on bridges and a lot of tense action. It was not this. Uh, yep. uh, also, the Enterprise just has droids, just has repair droids that come up and fix the fucking ship. Yep, it's just the fucking scene as they escape from the boo. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just droids. all the R two D two units are out here fixing up the the ship. Yeah, but fucking Pike doesn't give uh, one of the one who wins a big ceremony. So cowards. <laughs> God. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what? I hate it. I the show. I mean, the show killed the podcast. What do you want? <laughs> it, yeah, no. Alex Kurtzman did what? No, Rick Berman could not. <laughs> yeah. Pike and Cornwall are both uh, having a fucking dick measuring contest over who's going to sacrifice themselves. Yes. Uh, and Cornwall's argument as to why it shouldn't be Pike is this isn't where your journey ends, and I think you know that. Because apparently everyone's read the fucking script. But also, literally five minutes before, Burnham's like, oh no, I'm trapped in the time crystal vision. And Spock's like, no, that's not a real thing. You can just do whatever you want. Yep. Uh, but that but all... not if you're Christopher Pike because he's he is burdened by lore, unfortunately. <laughs> not, but not lore. No, if actual lore just like hung on to Christopher Pike's back and forced him into an explosion, that would be much better. <laughs> uh, this show would be better if lore was in it. Again, these are the bars we're reaching. <laughs> yep. Uh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible. Um, is there anything else that we've missed? I mean, they literally show us Burnham doing everything that the Red Angel did. Like, we're idiots who didn't watch the television show. 
exhaustively for minutes just going to a place doing the thing showing scenes of the thing that we watched in the episode going to another place again and again and again and again and again because it happens five times but it's all her and i'm like so was anything her mom was her mom the showing only up that- to save Burnham? That's literally the only thing she ever did. She showed up to save Burnham, and she mind murdered with Spock. Because if Burnham mind murdered with Spock, that would have fixed things too quickly. Yes. Because uh, they introduced a second Red Angel into this for no reason. Yeah. Um, but it's all the a signal- fucking terrible show. Right. Yeah. All the signals of Burnham and all of that stuff. So that means that even though her evidence, <laughs> they didn't even do the cute thing right, where she goes to the asteroid, right? Uh, yes which is her evidence for when uh her mum shows that's why she knows that when she turns off the air her mum will come but they don't have her watching her mum come up to save her they have her saving herself yes and i'm like two seconds i did your own bad show better than you (laughs) yes literally her mom coming to save her is a fluke that's all that happened because then in canon that's the that and as a a child the only times it was her mum the other times she was saved was herself uh which makes no sense but trust the mystery uh about infinite scene like half the scenes of episodes are someone going um i need to sacrifice myself and the other one going no i do not do that and the other one going but i must and that's the whole conflict. That's all. And then that's... nobody nobody dies except Cornwell. So. <laughs> nobody dies except Cornwell. But like, that happens with Spock multiple times. He's like, no. Yeah. He's like, don't get in the shuttle. And he's like, I must get in the shuttle. And she's like, okay. And then um, when he's in the shuttle, he's like, oh, my shuttle's been impacted. I can't go into the future with you because I'm needed on another television show. It's a very important one. Um, and then she's like, no, you can't. They can beam you aboard. And he's like, no, you must go without me. And then they do. Um... The, there's some shots towards the end as they go through the big time wormhole. Yes, that should have been really good. Because uh, you know they're... what I like, you know what I like that scene in the Matrix where they go above the clouds and then all of the fucking Sentinels yeah. fall to Earth. Yeah, <laughs> that's that literally what this thing. is. This is just a this is just an entire episode made up of shots of other better movies, <laughs> like Trek O Nine. <laughs> Like Trek 09, The Matrix Revolutions, and <laughs> Iron Man. Fucking The Avengers. Right, yeah, because she literally has Iron Man. Which, like, they did this scene in Battle of the Battering Stars. I don't think that they... I'm fairly sure they made an aesthetic attempt to not just do Iron Man. Yes, during, they did. They did. And in this, it's literally just the Iron Man shot. Like, it's, she's in a black yes. room and they've put some lights on her face. Uh, yes. And I remember the... Because the, she was in a different suit before, but it didn't look like that. They had a slightly no. different, more intentional aesthetic. Um, yes. Yeah, those are the these are the movies it's pulling from, and they're better than this. But the thing I was thinking of was, you know, the the the, the wide shots where the Discovery's going through the portal. Yeah, it made me think of that shot from the opening where the Discovery's going up from a distance from the first season, and I was like, yes. they could have like that should be a really cool moment where you see an abstract shot from the opening made real and the like bowled over by the just wonderment of space that's what the show should be and it's a fucking iron man well this is this is the episode where i realized that the opening uh, because i for some reason i was not paying attention the opening is just littered little time crystal pieces and has been this entire season no because there's a big time crystal that floats above but then every shot of the like discovery just has like little green bits uh was that true in episode one I don't know, but it's been true for a while. Hell, hell. But yeah, those are the big bits. Um, 
Ash Tyler gets Section 31 because fuck it, who gives a shit? Who cares? I, look, I'm, I'm. Give me the show where he's just a spy. It's got to be better than this. It can't be worse. Two Klingons do say today is a good day to die, and I was like, oh right, I remember Star Trek. It was a good show. <laughs> right, the Klingons show up and yell in Klingon, "Today is a good day to die," and like charge into this battle, and I'm like, right. I just, yes. I'm not but too then, jaded for Star Trek. But then the Kelpians show up who have learned how to operate bullships and now just have a fleet of, like, super fighters uh, that Michael Burnham has deliberately known that she is going to sick on the universe. The super predators are real and it's her fault. <laughs> right, because it makes if we make them super predators, they can help us in this battle because the Mass Effect bar has to go up. Yes. Uh, and that's the whole thing. And it's like, great, you made the Warriors of Kaminar and they can all do things. And I'm like, but you made them super predators. Knocking on the door of the people making the show, you made them super predators. Yeah. Ah, oh, I can't believe this. I was hoping real. they had just forgotten. And yet, nobody shot head teeth after that one episode, <laughs> yeah, so... Yes. They did all this and nobody shot head teeth. So they're all cowards. Yeah. Um, and now they're 950 years in the future and no one will talk about... And the, 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 the like, law of bow they wrapped it up with is no one can talk about Discovery or Michael Burns. Yes. The thing, the thing that this really drives home and like like i probably would have been more like been whatever okay the season's bad maybe it'll be better is they went out of their way and kirsten has actually said the reason that this season ends the way it is is so the fans who complain about why is the discovery so technologically advanced and michael burnham so important we never hear about her are satisfied and it's just kylo ren welding the mask together you were just giving ammunition to the most aggressive parts of your fan base who insist that nothing interesting ever be done with the thing they like and if that's what star trek is i'm glad to be done because fuck that yep like that is the worst shit and it makes me actively terrified of every all of the rest of the stuff and i guess i just like the the option is to just stop caring and stop watching but i won't i will keep watching but i just won't put it in an audio file for everyone to listen every week yeah uh, and then they go 950 years in the or 930 years in the future, 30 years past where Dr. Burnham went. Uh, so they can hopefully no, meet her where she is now. Yes. No, no, it's the, uh, it's the same. They want to get to the same point as she is. No, they want to. Yes, they want to go to the point where she is now, not the point where she came in 20 yes. years ago or whatever. Yes. Um, uh, and then um, that means, and Kurtzman said, we want to do a whole season about them in the future where we don't have to be burdened by lore. Uh, we can just do whatever. I would like to point out this is only a hundred years after Daniels exists in like right. his present. Because <laughs> there is that. stuff. <laughs> there is stuff nine hundred years in the future. It's the Enterprise J, the fucking time ship. <laughs> Wait, so hang on a second. <laughs> I don't think they know that. I don't think Kurtzman knows what a Daniels is if you asked him. So the Enterprise. I'm gonna. Do, I'm just gonna look this up. I was looking this up, and Daniels is from the 31st century. But they the are going to the 32nd. Enterprise J is a bit... That's um, like 2700, I think? Uh, sure, but Daniels himself is from the yes. Yes. 31st. Uh, Enterprise J is 26th century, and then okay. Archer going to the room with the books is right. uh, 31st century. So okay. they have gone there, it does exist, and there's time cops. Yeah, it's like a weird Doctor Who space. Nobody wants to go there. They already did this and it sucked. And now they've gone like a little bit past that. And oh, it's not going to have anything to do with that. They're just going to be in weird alien no. spaces. Because um, yeah. yeah, we were like, oh, maybe season three could be okay and we'll be back on board. And no, because there are quotes. There are quotes that he's like, we're going to 
We're going to be free of uh, free of law. We can say, tell any stories we want. We're going to finally spend some time with the bridge crew. Fuck off. You said that. La- also, they said that last season going into this Fool one. And boy, once. that sure didn't happen. Fool we got once. one episode about Arium's friends who never existed before now, right before she died. So fuck off. Yep. Uh, it's awful. And, and that means that they're going to like make canon the rest of like thousands of years of Star Trek history in a really stupid way that I hate. Uh, yes. Like the comedy, the knowing that this is the team, not like the specific team, but this is generally the production team that is about to make what happens after Nemesis real and not just a nebulous space for fans to play in. Yeah. They're about to make that real, and they're also about to make thousand a thousand years after that real, essentially. Well, eight hundred years, I guess, by that point. But they're about to yeah. make those two points real in a way that I think could just be the most damaging thing for Star Trek. Because at this point, it's literally just a thing that uh old nerds and us are into and there are books about until discovery came back that's all it was um yeah. and that was fun and now they're doing a thing that the kelvinverse could never do by being a different universe of making things concrete with a team i don't trust to do anything but regressively like make the universe worse uh and it sucks yeah 900 years in the future what what does this mean about the short where discovery was already sentient and 600 years into the future because they already did that also they literally said michelle Yeoh is going to be part of the section 31 show they literally pitched it as she's going to get her own show and she's trapped in the future so that all that means is we have a fucking fake voyager happening now but it's bad and it's it's gonna be 14 episodes or 13 episodes who knows but like I don't want this show. What can they do in that space that's interesting? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, because you need the context of things. You understand the urge to free yourself from the bullshit of Star Trek, to make Star Trek happen, but this show has not done a single episode of regular-ass Star Trek. (laughs) They have not made... like Magic makes sense. Magic Mad is closest. Uh, 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 New New Eden's really good. New Eden's also really good. that's one of those. Uh, yes. But even that has, like, the sphere stuff. Like, they haven't just done the ship goes to a place and a thing happens. So if they're going into the future so they can do that, then no. Like, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's going to be also, a huge, ridiculous arc. They, 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 didn't need, they need, didn't need to spend two seasons throwing Discovery into 900 years in the future to protect the other future from a rogue AI to get Star Trek happening. It's not that difficult. You, their whole charter is to go out and look at new planets and go, what's here? And maybe we can solve some problems. Yep. Um, and also, does this mean that she's going to get to her mom, who's been living in a world where all sentient life doesn't exist, but because they've saved that world, her mum will still be there, but sentient life will exist? Like, you suddenly get into like very boring time travel questions, which I don't care about, but the show puts them in your face. <laughs> Yes, we're going to get uh, Time's Orphan Kima all, like, scraggly and on a planet while the rest of the future's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're getting Time's Orphan again. That's what we're going back to. God damn it. Yeah, I, I just don't... Uh, it, it broke us. The episode broke us. Um, and it was, it was a combination of things, but this the end of the season going how it has done... Whew. Yeah, this is just not what I'm looking for out of sci-fi. And if I was looking for this out of sci-fi, I'd just go catch up on the fucking Marvel movies. It's just Marvel movies. Yeah, and I hate them. Yeah, I already don't like those. Uh, I could I could read a book that's not Star Trek. I could just read a book that's good that doesn't isn't beholden to all this. You can read a book that's bad. 
Yeah, I could watch other sci-fi shows. Like, I could go watch The Expanse or some shit. Like, I don't have to do this with my life anymore, and we're not going to. Uh, uh, we, are, we are done. No, we have a letter we promised to read. We did. We have someone else who is dumb. Yes. Do you want to read this? Um, I will find the... Where is it? It's cool. It's at the bottom of our emails. There it is. Uh, it is Ryan's Star Trek Discovery ejection email. Um... Uh, Ryan says, I just listened to the podcast uh, on Discovery Season 2, Episode 13, and was thinking about how disappointing the season has been. I know it's been well documented on the show, but I wanted to provide my perspective as someone who is relatively new to the series, uh, and to which Season 1 had been a big entry point to me. And that's true, Season 1 is a great way to like get into Star Trek and the ideas of it, and watch, like it's a great entry point to Star Trek. Um... Season 1 of Discovery made me feel seen as a queer person of colour who always wanted to see myself represented in a cool space show. I connected with Burnham, an outsider who was uh, villainized for starting a war that was probably going to happen anyway. I love Tilly uh, and the warmth of her personality brought to the show, and every moment where Stamets and Culber were given space to display empathy and care for each other felt like a breath of fresh air uh, where queer narratives are often tokenized. Fast forward a year later, and most of these characters are turned into cardboard cutouts of their former selves. Burnham suddenly cares about her biological mother that she never mentioned. Uh, Tilly is just a standard comic relief character, and it's, true, it's heartbreaking. I cannot believe she's just Marvel character number three. Um... Stamets and Culber only just learned to healthily communicate with each other about their breakup at the end of the second season before the big plot happens. And then this episode, they undid that anyway. So who gives a shit? Who cares? Who gives a fuck? Uh, the Discovery tagline. It's such a shame because I went into season two thinking this would be a more fleshed out version of what the first season was. I wanted Stamets and Culver to have room to breathe and process the trauma of last season. I wanted Tilly to go on fun dates and have her bisexuality be canonical rather than implied time and time again. Uh, she does have a space wife. At least at least that exists. Uh, but she's stuck in the past now. So that's gone. And I wanted Saru to overcome his anxiety through actual character development rather than genetics bullshit. God, don't we all. Star Trek has strived to be diverse, but I felt like the casting of Discovery actually achieved that goal. I love TNG, but I was hoping uh, that Discovery Season 2 would be the Discovery's version of that. Um, because all of these characters deserve space where they're allowed to exist inside of goofy space plots. However, that's not at all the show we got, and while I'll always be fun, uh, be fond of Discovery Season 1 and the way it made me feel at my time in my life, I've come to accept it's time to move on. The show is only interested in taking these characters through arbitrary plot beats instead of having them be actual people. And while I, on some level, appreciate that these diverse characters get to exist in a loud, bombastic show without objection, uh, a more diverse version of Mass Effect 3 is not what I wanted. God fucking tell me about it. Uh, Discovery meant a lot to me, and it's very sad to see it turns into a hollow shell of the show it once was. Uh, the show it once was. Thank you for tuning. Thank you for hanging in there during this awful run of episodes, and I'm looking forward to your getting back on track with the books. So were we a few weeks ago, yeah. but it, the the joy is gone. The spark is gone. Spark's gone. Spark's back. Actually, he's shaved. He's shaved. He looks much worse. Eh, he's fine. No, he has the same problem that uh, Slap did. What's his face? Zachary Quinto. Uh, in that you can't, look, <laughs> you can't look like Leonard Nimoy. Like, you, nobody looks like that anymore. I'm sorry. You just can't pull off being Spock. You can't do it. Oh, but that's thank you very much, Ryan. Sorry if anyone if anyone uh, is very, very sad about seeing Star Trek, this podcast go, uh, then please let us know. 
Um, I mean, we're not going to change it for you, but no, I but appreciate I like, your regard. Yes. I would like, like, this has been our most, this has been our least popular show by quite a long mar- wide margin. And we, we love doing it because we like Star Trek and like that part's gone. So now, you know, uh, but if this is a show you've appreciated, please tell us, tweet us. Um, we'll let you know if we ever decide to come back to it. Um, yeah, don't delete the feed because I guarantee we're going to do at least two episodes in the next couple of months, probably. So. Yeah, no, there's, there's episodes coming in the next few months, um, but it just won't be regular. Uh, but yes, I, I really would like any kind of like some validation about this journey so far. Have you enjoyed it? Have you enjoyed the books and stuff? Because uh, another reason for this, just it's just the show that we just don't get much um, feedback on. Uh, yeah. Outside of the Discovery episodes where everyone else is uh, in, in the hell with us. Uh, and I would just like to know if you've been listening, uh, if you value the show or not, because that would mean a lot to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, it's a sad note to go out on. I guess we'll see you at some point in the future when we do another episode for this feed. Uh, I, if people want to find us, Jackson, why don't we run down everything else we do? Like, yeah. actually everything. Cause because if you've only listened to this, we're done. So what else is there? Yes. So if you've only listened to this, then we have uh, a show that I would fiercely recommend called The Great Gundam Project, which is our Patreon show. Is at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Uh, it is $1 a month, and every week we watch two episodes of Gundam. And if you start from the beginning, which we did when we were in the middle of the early parts of Star Trek, you can just watch our, like, politics cohere in slow motion. <laughs> uh, and it is now a full-on uh, space communist podcast as we uh, talk about anime and we talk about politics and we go on a journey together. Uh, it's a great show. It's my favorite show we do. It's it's a big part of my life in a way that we never expected. It was meant to be a throwaway show we did in addition to this. That's another point to say. Is when we started this, we didn't have a weekly Gundam show that was actually our main job. <laughs> yeah. Which it unquestionably is now. Um, so I'd recommend you go there if you want some uh, space conversations and good television. Uh, but we also have Abnormal Mapping, which is a game club. If you play video games, uh, then we will also play video games. Uh, it is every month. Um, actually, this month there's two, but it is every month. Uh, and we play a video game and we talk about it. And that's the whole thing. It's a regular game club. We have a great time doing it. Uh, we're surprised it's been able to go on so long. Because um, I never thought we'd still be doing this like six years later. No, absolutely not. But we've we haven't missed a month yet, so you should join no. us there. Uh, I occasionally do the Amory score. That was a more regular show, but uh, due to life circumstances, uh, it is much harder to get recorded because I do that with my friend Molly, uh, and I'm very busy, and Molly is very busy, and also has a very like uh, hectic, incredibly uh, overwhelming work schedule and uh, health issues to worry about. So we only record that when we can, but we have not forgotten about it. And the Amory score is a good show where we go through the music and plot question mark of the works of Coheed and Cambria. Uh, if you've never listened to that, it's good fun to start from the beginning. I recommend that. Um, and we have another show coming in the future, but not right now. Not to, not to not be right yet. Yeah. Uh, start this, this, there will be one more podcast every month on average, I think with the new, with the new setup, but it should be a little less, work and a little less emotional for us yes so it should be it should be work out for everyone but we'll we'll let you know later when we like finalize those plans mid-may probably mid-may, so. mid-may. Uh, mid-may i guess so 
Uh, if you want to go, uh, did you say that website name? Normalmapping.com? Abnormalmapping.com. It's there. There's yes. a Discord link. Jack, yes, the Discord link. Go in the Discord. We will continue to talk about Star Trek forever. Because the thing that happened with this, with Discovery coming out, is people started watching good Star Trek, and that's why everyone's mad now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, we still like Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, you can talk to us about Star Trek anytime you want. I never get sick of it. We'll be watching the, the season three in Picard, even if we don't podcast about it. Who says? Maybe we'll want to talk about Picard. Maybe it'll be good. Who can say? Don't believe it, but it might happen. <laughs> Anything yeah. can happen. No, the feed's here. It's never going away. We have a place yeah. for our Star Trek content, and you can keep um, up on it. So you definitely hang out in the Discord if you don't. Uh, and then you can find Jackson on Twitter at HeadFallsOff. You can find me at em underscore being where again i will always talk to you about star trek stuff uh because i i like star trek a lot despite all of this uh and i think that's it uh we will be back but who can say when uh 124 days for me might be a moment for you <laughs> fuck off <laughs> so until that distant day when we return uh we will see you out there you know, the just even thinking about all good things made me want to collapse. <laughs>